Hi, welcome to the Anvil from Church's Bookshop. That's Andrew. That's Linda. And that's Georgia. And we're here um, today for a special Easter Sunday episode. But as usual, to remind you that we are all speaking as individuals. We don't represent any person or group. Um, we're all just expressing our own opinions on, on whatever we're chatting about. And might I say, um, looking at you through the wonders of Zoom, Georgia, your hair is looking absolutely radiant. This uh, not being able to get a haircut thing is really working for you. Oh, thank you. I'm um, <laughs> I think I'm going yeah. for the caveman look. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, well, it's working for you as well. Yeah. Um, thank you, Linda. Cool. Thinking about that, um, like, how's everyone doing with the... This is like the second week that we've recorded during lockdown. So how are we getting on? Um, I'm, I'm struggling a bit, to be honest. I've got um, quite close family who are, who are very ill in hospital. So, yeah, that's obviously a big worry um, at the moment. But in terms of just taking it one day at a time and just, yeah, so move one foot in front of the other. Uh, but if that's all I can manage right now, then I'm going to take that. Yeah, I think in terms of the actual being kind of locked down, I've mostly been finding it easier than maybe I should be, actually. I think because I'm introverted and I've got a bit of experience, I was chronically ill for a long time as a teenager, so I probably am quite used to being stuck at home and being disappointed not to be able to do things. But I've found the last day or two a bit harder. I think maybe it's just with Easter actually coming up and all the things that I feel like we should be doing at the church. Yeah, I found that a bit, a bit harder to take suddenly. Mm. How are you, Linda? Yeah, um, in general, my um, managing to keep my spirits up. Um, lockdown hasn't been too hard on me because I've got a flat to myself and I've got plenty of work that I can be getting on with still. Um, obviously, it is hitting home a bit more knowing, Andrew, what you and your family are going through at the moment. Um, and so definitely keep keeping you in my prayers. Um, but yeah, personally, I, um, I'm doing okay <laughs> with lockdown. Great. Yeah. I think it's always, I, I know I've had it, it becomes very different. The coronavirus becomes real when it, when it's affecting people you love. And I'm sure there's people out there listening who are also you know, hurting for loved ones who are ill. I get it. It's, it's a really tough time. We hope that today the anvil will just be, be something joyful and, and we hope that we'll be able to bring some happiness into everyone's lives, maybe a bit of a break. So that is the last time I want to mention coronavirus for the whole episode. Bit of a lighter hearted episode for you today. Yeah. So um, I'm going to teach you guys a favourite game of mine, if that's okay. Um, it's called Hide the Thimble and it's a magical game where you can hide a thimble. Uh, for any people of our generation and younger, a thimble apparently is a thing that you put on your finger when you are sewing to stop yourself from hitting yourself. I um, have used a thimble. You actually have? Yes, when I was um, at school, we had textiles classes sort of every other term, and I really struggled pushing the needle through if I was sewing because um, I had okay. very soft skin on my fingers, clearly. Um, I think also because I'm dyspraxic, I just don't have the coordination as well, so I was pushing and getting it all over the place. So yeah, that was I used that to help me push through, so I didn't hurt myself. Cool. So um, yeah, um, but don't worry about having to root through your mum's sewing kit or whatever to find a thimble, because in this game we hide it entirely within our imagination. Um, so you just need to imagine something that is like a little um, metal hat that you'd put on your finger 
um, if it was wanting to not be abducted by aliens or whatever. Um, so imagine something the size of like your finger tip and um, you're hiding it somewhere in imagination. It can be in the past, it can be in the present, it can be in the world of fiction. Um, but this time, um, playing the game, we're going to play it with a bit of an Easter theme. So my challenge is to hide the thimble somewhere within the Easter story. Um, so anywhere between sort of Palm Sunday and uh, the resurrection, I guess. Um, think really carefully about where in the Easter story you could hide a thimble. And then we'll ask a series of yes, no questions to work out where it's hidden and you can get as specific as you like with it it could be in um i don't know punches pilots left pocket or something like that sounds really good right um linda do you want to go first okay give me a second because i need to think i feel like um, i'll give you a clue it's not going to be in punches pilots left pocket although i love the alliteration of that so good right it is in fact i think it would be even better punches pilots posterior pocket <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to beat that. Fine, this will be all cut anyway. Sorry, guys. I knew we were playing this game, so I really should have um, thought of somewhere to hide it in advance. But I haven't thought of it in my life. No, let's all take this moment to think. <laughs> we played this with our youth group on Friday. Yeah. Um, they have was... really good hiding places. They did. I wonder if I can steal some of theirs. <laughs> but I'll know them. That's true. I've played this game too much lately or something like that. Okay. Okay, I've got somewhere. Great. Is it does is it hidden in the story before the Last Supper? No. Is it before Jesus dies? Yes. Is it during the Last Supper? No. Is it during the trial? Yes. Is it during the trial before the high priests? Um the benefit of Linda is consulting the Bible. <laughs> it's always a good place to look for answers. This is either the trial before Annas or Caiaphas. Um, yes. Is it on somebody's person? No. Is it on a table? No. I feel like my Bible knowledge is getting really tested now. Um... Do you have any idea? <laughs> um, is it on something that someone is holding? No. Is it on the floor? No. Is it on an item of clothing would count as the high priests, I presume? Yeah. So it's not on an item of clothing? No. We might need to get our Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this! Um, for listeners, Linda is like the genius at this game. Um, whenever we've played it, she usually wins, and that's not just because Linda always wins. It might be worth you like the game, actually. Oh, we've cracked <laughs> it. But Linda does always win. That is true, he does. <laughs> is it in the courtyard? Linda is again consulting her Bible. Yeah. Now, I've had a thought. It happening during the trial doesn't mean it's happening at the trial, does it? Well, I, I think I think I'm having a thought. The courtyard area is where Peter was. That's what I'm thinking. So, 
Do you want to ask a question? Is it in the fire? No. Is it... Oh, no, I, I thought I had a question there, and I don't. <laughs> what we got? We've got the trial going on in the thing. In the courtyard, there's Peter's out there. And he's confronted by the serpent. And he denies Jesus three times. Yeah. Then there's a cockroach. Ooh. Is it in the cockerel or on the cockerel? Yes. <laughs> is, do we need to be more specific? Of course, you know the rules. Is it on the cockerel's head? No. On his tail? Yes. <laughs> that is a brilliant well, that, that That was a good one, I'll give you that. Thank uh, you. Anyone who got there faster than us, well done. You win the prize of feeling satisfied about your, yourself and your accomplishments. <laughs> Georgia, have you hidden a thimble? I have hidden a thimble. Is it on Palm Sunday? No. Is it at the Last Supper? No. Is it after the death of Jesus? Yeah. Is it in the tomb? Yes. I feel like you're going to get this far too quickly. Quite possibly. We said Linda's the master of this. We can't, <laughs> can't measure up. Um, is it in the cloth that Jesus was wrapped in? Yes. Well, technically, uh, okay, you're going to pants. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be in trouble for getting that so fast. I actually have to redo mine because that's where I was going to hide my thimble. Okay, I don't feel so bad about it now. Um, you amateurs. <laughs> clearly. Um, right, let's see. Oh, this one's a better place. I have hidden a thimble. Is it on Palm Sunday? No. Is it before the death of Jesus? Yes. Is it in Gethsemane? No. Is it before the Last Supper? Yes. Is it in the temple? Oh, kinda. Is it in, I don't know, do temples have courtyards? Well, the temple had lots of courtyards. But they were actually in the temple, weren't it, they? It's not, the word in is what I'm objecting is to. Is it though. on the temple? Yes, but I need more specifics. Is it in the vicinity of the fig tree? No, that was on the road to Bethany. Darn it. Um, I don't feel like I know the layout of the Jewish temple well enough. Um, um, is it on the roof? No. Linda is again consulting her Bible. I feel like she has a minor advantage here. Me too. <laughs> I mean, we do have a Bible right here, but I choose not to cheat. Uh, not cheating. Cheating just another word for winning. <laughs> and that is the message to take away from the anvil this week. <laughs> that was an impassioned and well-rehearsed plea. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> I'm feeling rather smug right now. So it's not on the roof, but it is on. Yep. I really don't know a temple well enough. I'm about to Google temple. <laughs> it's the thing that should be really obvious. Yeah, well, every it has to have these things if it's got a roof. Pillars? No. <laughs> you could have a roof without pillars. Beams? Wall. Yes! <laughs> but the specific occasion that I'm referring to. Does that have anything to do with the walls, or is it just going to happen in the temple? No, it has something to do with the walls. Does it relate to Passover? 
not not other than in the way that the whole story takes place at Passover. Tell me if you need a clue. No. no. Very upset you got mine so fast now. Just want to put that out there. I'm gonna go away and cry. On the walls. Is it when the temple when the tables were overturned? No. Is it after that? Yes. Is it the same day as that? I'm pretty sure it is. Oh, is that the bit where see what it needs to story? I don't know yet. <laughs> you haven't said it. <laughs> Can I find Um, the bit where he gets questioned by the scribes and the Pharisees. Uh, no. Is that in the Easter story? That is, and actually that happens the day after he turns the table, and that's the day I mean. Okay. I feel now like I know something, so that's exciting, even if I haven't got it. Is it anything to do with, like, when Jesus says that no stones will stay on top of each other, like everything gets destroyed? Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. it. It, In the temple... When Jesus is prophesying that the temple will be destroyed, Linda wins. Yay! Linda always wins. <laughs> we have definitely established that, haven't we? Yeah. Right, so what we have... Yeah. I might go over it. I might not. I'll you let you know. So, so Linda wins because she had a difficult one and guessed a difficult one. Yeah. Also, awesome. I like these. <laughs> <laughs> you, you like anything that makes you win. It's true. Anyway, um, probably going to have a, a shorter episode today as it's as it's Easter. But um, I wonder if um, Linda, how are you going to celebrate Easter this year? Because normally we'd be you know, going to church and maybe having a sunrise service. What are you planning on doing for Easter this year? Um, it'll be a quiet one this year because obviously I won't be with any of my family. Um, but I'll. I'll be celebrating at home. I'll be watching the live stream of our church service, eating chocolate, and spending some time with friends over Zoom. Um, Zoom? You can't say that normally. (laughs) Well, you can't anyway. No, I think we established that last week. (laughs) How about you guys? Well, we're lucky enough to live directly across the road from the beach, so we're going to try and get up at sunrise and take our once daily walk on the beach at sunrise. Um, and kind of have our own little sunrise service, just us and our dog, who I'm sure will appreciate it. Our dog is about to knock the microphone over. Yeah, he's um, insisting on sitting on my lap for this. <laughs> yeah, and then we are, um, I see we've, we've got up to sunrise, we're going to have um, an Easter lunch, we've got lamb in, so we're going to gonna do that. Um, but we also felt like, um, for the two of us this year, we want to share communion together which has been a bit of a debated point I've seen online with different churches having different rules on on communion. So I know, for example, the Methodist church that we're part of, ministers can't lead communion over, over online. Really? I didn't know that. No, we, there's something called the Methodist Love Feast, which they can do, and that usually involves cake and water yeah, or juice. Water. But that's more about sharing love for each other, less about remembering Christ. And a lot of churches have rules about who can lead communion as well, don't they? So, like, being able to do it yourself in your home, I guess, is something that, growing up, I never would have thought of that as being a problem, because all the church traditions that I was a part of, um, it was really low-key, like, here's some bread, here's some red-coloured liquid, just eat, drink, remember the sacrifice Jesus made, but... um 
I guess when you look into different traditions, actually the overwhelming majority, it has to be led by a certain person in a certain way. Um, so that, that does make it difficult, I guess, for celebrating on your own or with your family. Yeah, I know within the, the Methodist Church it's a sacrament, and that's why it's only an ordained minister or someone else who's, who's licensed can lead it. I consider myself a Methodist, but I do differ in the theology here in that I believe Jesus makes quite a clear commandment, which is do this whenever you meet in memory of me. For me on Easter Sunday, if there's any time we should be remembering it, it's that. And so I don't mind if other people think that, that us breaking bread in our own house home and sharing grape juice because we're Methodist still is legitimate communion or not but it's it's remembering Christ and for me that is communion I still I will when we get to go back to churches and we get to share communion all the church family that will be even more special and I do understand why why some churches might be more more lax to let let ministers do it online as a lot of people don't have online um, access um, so it would still exclude some people, but but for me, I want to. I feel it's something that is important for me and for for us to do together. Well, I think we won't necessarily be considering it as a sacrament in the same way, will we? It will more be an act of of deliberate remembrance than a sacrament, I would say. Yeah, it's um. Oh, there's so mu- so much theology behind communion. <laughs> um, that might be a whole other episode. Yeah, but I do remember. My dad actually said this when we were growing up, you know, it's such a simple thing that we've managed to make really complicated with lots of rules. And so I um I absolutely respect church leaders who are having to make difficult decisions on what's allowed. But for me, I don't think I really don't see how any of us sharing it in our own home, on our own, or with, with loved ones in the same house as us could in any way be be wrong. I, I don't see how how doing that can be wrong if it's right for us for some people it's not what they need but if it is i i don't see why god would have a problem with that personally obviously other theological views do exist i think my feeling and i have no idea how theologically sound this is so probably ignore me but i think my feeling is that part of the reason that jesus chose bread and wine and did it so simply was to make it really accessible to everyone no matter what was going on as an act of remembrance yeah, one of the things we're going to do today is we're going to have a go at making our own unleavened bread. So that may go well or horribly, horribly disastrously. We'll let you know. And there's, there's a bit of a challenge, isn't there? Because we're making it the sort of kosher way. Well, we won't be using kosher flour because I don't have any. And we're not actually Jewish, so it doesn't need to be kosher. Yeah, but... I I attempted this um, a few years ago, actually, when I was uh, doing teacher training because my class were doing a a topic on Passover and actually it's such a challenge because you have to um you have such a time limit on how long it's allowed to bake for so it has to be properly baked in that time but not risen um and it's just such a tricky thing to do because like any time too long and it's not kosher um any time too short and it's raw um so, yeah, that was quite an eye-opening experience for me. Yeah, I'm a bit stressed about it already. We haven't started yet. so uh, I will point out that if it takes us a little longer, it won't matter. It doesn't matter. But it'll, be, it'll be a fun challenge it to try out. And I should probably embrace the fun. But also, actually, I think um, kind of embracing a little bit of the Jewish tradition behind Passover really 
can help to bring new significance new significance to the Easter story and and even to communion. Um, what I I know that when I was looking into it, it really opened my eyes to what the bread and the wine would have meant originally to the Jewish people, and therefore what what a interesting moment it was when Jesus announced, you know, take this in remembrance of, and kind of thinking what the original audience would have been expecting him to say, you know, in remembrance of when we had to leave Egypt in a hurry and um, the bread didn't have time to rise and God helped us to escape. And, you know, we painted blood over our doorposts from a lamb that had to die so that we could have our freedom. And he takes all of that amazing imagery and makes it about himself so that we now have this new meaning that we can associate with that tradition. Um, yeah, I think that shines a great light onto um, what we do nowadays. Jesus has taken a Passover meal, which is a a really common, you know, Jewish people did it every year, and he has sort of repackaged it, I guess. He's, he's doing something new. And um, in some ways for me, when if we're doing communion and sometimes we might not have wine or grape juice, you know, some of the most meaningful communions I've ever taken have been with squash. And I think it's the same as saying, actually, what's important is the heart more than the the details. Yeah, and I think um, going back to what Linda was saying, I was doing some reading, obviously, about making unleavened bread. Um, I think it's Matford, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, yesterday. And the main reason why it has to be made so quickly is that it takes 18 minutes between flour coming into contact with water and fermentation starting. So that's the main reason to keep it kosher. But I was reading that when the matzo is made before Passover, well, in the lead up to Passover, I suppose, one of the other sort of things taken out of that quick time is that when you're making it, you're supposed to contemplate how how quickly and without preparation and how rapidly um, the Israelites had to get ready to leave Egypt. And um, so you're meant to take that 18 minute rush to get it done and be sort of embracing that symbolically as well. And I thought that was really meaningful. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, the, the, I suppose that the making and the breaking of it are both acts of remembrance. Yeah, that, that's really fascinating. Such a rich tradition within Judaism. Like, yeah. oh, if I wasn't a Christian, like, <laughs> that would be my I just, I love all of the stories and all of the different ways to stop and be thankful for things that God has done. I think we can totally learn something from all of these ancient traditions. It's really amazing. Yeah, I think this year of all years when everything's a little bit in the air and a bit different. I think there's so much that we'd normally be doing, particularly around church this time of year, that we can't be doing. So I think we've really wanted to try and find new things we can do and to embrace to kind of make the story real to us, even in this very odd situation. That's probably about time. We want to let let our listeners get back to their, their Easter excitement whatever that is. Uh, I have to say this at least once because it's not Easter unless I said it. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> this has been the Anvil. Thank you for listening. Um, we're normally on every Wednesday, so um, you can check us out on Acast, on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, our website, churchesbookshop.com, and then scroll down to click on the link for the Anvil, or with facebook.com forward slash the Anvil. Um, so we'd love to, to see you there. And for now, that's Linda. That's Georgia. And that's Andrew. And we've been the Anvil Podcast, and we'll see you next Wednesday.
Bye. Bye.